go ahead and invite you to turn to the book of James. How is everybody this morning? Blessed and highly favored? All right. Well, we want to invite you, uh, as we start our journey in James, uh, to understand a few things. The purpose of going through the book of James is to understand that the things we believe, the things we know, the things we trust, are more than just things in a book. It's about how do we take this faith that we claim, this belief system we call Christianity, and put it into action. Because I want to confess to you, church, I really believe the state we're in as a nation, even as a community, is because we have a lot of people, a lot of churches that talk about Jesus, but don't copy Jesus. Because what Paul says is this, Paul says that we are to imitate him as he imitates Jesus. And folks, I tell you, if we follow our Jesus, the world will change. Oh, see, that's one of the parts where I hoped I'd got an amen. Let's try that one more time. The world will change if we follow Jesus. Thank you. We'll just edit that out of the video when we post it online. You know, one of my favorite comedians when I was growing up uh, in college had this joke, and he said, he said, my sister has always wanted to be an actress. He said, she made it halfway. She's a waitress. See, here's the thing. A lot of people are in a space in life where they are, they're just stuck. There are a lot of place, people that are in place in their faith where they're stuck. Maybe they're waiting. Maybe they can't figure out what's next. Can I tell you, you should do what waiters do when you're waiting. You know what they do? They serve. Right? Sometimes good. <laughs> Sometimes not so good. But their job is to serve. And we're going to find out today that that's really the identity that Christ has for us. I want to invite you to stand if you're able. To join me this morning as we read the word of the Lord. It is a short passage, so I promise you it won't be long. James 1 1 reads this way James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Father God, today as we open your word, God, would you give us wisdom on how to receive it? God, would you use your spirit to teach us today? God, would you use your word to change us? God, may we be different people because of who you are in our lives. God, an unchanged Christian is not a Christian. And so today, would you change us? God, would you not just make us look different, but God, would you internally change us, give us a heart of flesh. God, remove the heart of stone so we may see your word, believe your word, and live your word in this world today. Father, we love you, and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 
I just want to go ahead and get this out of the way. We are starting the book of James. And yes, today we are looking at James 1.1. That does not mean next week we will do just James 1.2. Okay? We're not going to walk verse by verse by verse by verse. Just wanted to give you that heads up. Because I know that uh, some people, when I said, hey, I'm starting a book of James, they went ahead and were like, oh, we're going to talk about trials. We're going to talk about wisdom. We're going to talk about prayer. We'll get there. But I believe that we have to start here. This verse has to start where how we recognize we've got to change. We've got to be different. We see this very quickly in who James is. See, the book of James was written by the half-brother of Jesus. But is that how James starts off this book? Does James start off by writing, Greetings, I'm the brother of Jesus. Listen to what I have to say. He could have done that, could he not have? He was a pillar in the church. He was a faithful follower. He was a faithful preacher and teacher. And he could have stood up and said, you need to listen to me. But that's not how he starts. He starts off wanting to show us who he really is. That he's a servant of Jesus. I need to also preface this message with a little bit of... uh, warning if you're not a believer here today i want to go ahead and tell you james did not write this verse for you he says that he is a servant of the lord jesus christ to the dispersion now in case you're not aware of what the dispersion is the the jews were separated they were busted up by other kingdoms who had come and ruled over them the tribes were separated and now james as he writes this he's really saying this he's saying i'm james servant of god and our lord jesus christ to the church so i just want you to know this i'm not telling you if you're a a non-believer to turn it off because i've got something for you that i believe god wants you to hear but I need to hear you that, need you to hear this right now. James wrote this for believers. See, we miss that a lot of times. We look at the New Testament and go, oh, all of it is about salvation. Can I remind you that Paul wrote to churches because churches were messing up? Can I go ahead and confess to you that I'm a pastor and guess what happens? I mess up. So sometimes as a church, we got to have a little kick in the pants, right? This is supposed to be the only church in the United States that doesn't need that. Okay, great job. Great job. Proud of you. I'll, I'll see you all later. No. The reality, though, is this, is that he's saying, listen, this is for believers. And see, we've got this mis- misnomer in the Christian world that, that coming to Jesus is about behavior modification. It's not about behavior modification. It's about godly transformation. Look, you can change your behaviors. You know what happens after a time when you've changed your behaviors? You usually go back to them. Dear friend of mine has been on the keto diet. Anybody? Anybody ketoing? Anybody ketoing? Guy ketoed. Ketoed himself down 150 pounds. He told himself... I'm going to take a break. 
<laughs> you know what happens? You take a break from the keto diet. All of a sudden, you're not ketosis anymore. And then you start eating like bread. You know what happens to bread when it gets in your body? It's like a brick, and then you boom. Amen? All right. I like bread. This is body built by bacon and bread, okay? <laughs> Some of you keep talking to me about the bacon thing, so I'm just bringing it up. See, because that's just behavior modification. I told you last week that Jesus changes you radically. And Paul says it, and I told you this last week too, Paul says it this way, that we're a new creation. And so we're talking about godly transformation. And today as we begin to look at what James is saying to us, we have to understand that being a servant of Jesus is not natural for you and me. It's not natural. Do you know people that are really bad waitresses or waiters? Don't call out the restaurant. Don't, don't call out people. But I've been to restaurants where people who bring you your food and they just kind of throw it on the table. Here. They, they, they're the kind of people that you go and you get a refill of your drink and they leave the other cup there. And then they come and bring you a third and fourth drink and all of a sudden you've got eight drinks sitting in a spot this big and there's a family of six so you just don't have any room to put anything else. And you're like, can you take the cups? And they're like, well, I'll, not right now. I'm busy. It's not natural. We are naturally selfish people. Some of you are nodding your head. Some of you are looking, looking going to your spouse. And you're like, huh? But just stop for a moment. Think about babies, right? Babies, always crying. You're like, what they're supposed to? They're always crying. They fake cry sometimes. Our little sweet Ellie, who's not in the room right now, so I can talk about her. Little sweet Ellie, when she's not getting the attention she wants, she'll go, <laughs> and you look at her and go, stop, and she'll go. Because we're naturally selfish, fleshy people. That's who I was before Jesus came into my life. And I'll be honest with you, there's times that he, I still lose that battle. Thank God he won the war. But there are times I lose the battle. Selfish people is who we are. It's natural. But see, James automatically comes to this point where he wants us to understand who he is. Instead of touting his position in the church, he shows us his position in the kingdom. He says, I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are always three things people want to know when they first meet you, right? What's your name? What do you do, and where do you do it? Or they may ask if you're married, if they think you're cute. Here's the thing. James gets it out of the way immediately. James says, my name's James. I'm a servant. I do it for Jesus. See, because if you serve for anything other than Jesus, your service falls flat, and it doesn't fulfill you. If you serve for people to, guess what? Eventually the clapping stops. If you serve people for money, guess what? It's never enough. 
the attaboys always run out. The dollar bills always fade. But James says, look, I serve the Lord Jesus. When you serve the Lord, the treasure never stops. But I want you to catch a few things today. We are required to be servants if you're a follower of Jesus. It is a requirement for a follower of Jesus. Look, look at this. What is a disciple? This is a chance for you question and answer portion today. You can respond back, okay? I'm not going to throw anything at you. Don't throw anything at me, okay? What is a disciple? A follower. A follower does what? <laughs> Man, y'all are good. Y'all are good. Praise the Lord. I was so worried about that for a second. One of the most easy children's games of all time, right? Simon says. Right? Simon says, we're not going to practice it. But you know, like Simon says, hop on your leg. And everybody hops on a leg. Of course, then you always get that one guy who tries to trick you because that's the way the game plays. But if you're playing Simon Says and you're following Simon, you do what Simon does, right? You do what Simon says. That's the name of the game. You copy the one who is in charge. So let's look at this. Being a servant is a requirement of a follower of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was a servant. Jesus was a servant. Look, if you think you're too good for service and you just said you're too good for Jesus, uh-oh, you can't claim the cross if you're better than Jesus. You can't claim the price he paid if you think you're better than Jesus. Oh, how, do, how does Jesus serve? Well, just, I would love to point that out to you. I'm so glad you asked. So let me go ahead and get you to this place. John 13. Go ahead. I want to hear Bible's page turning. Come on. John 13. This is one of the most difficult places in Jesus' life that he's fixing to walk into. And instead of worrying about being taken care of, he's worried about taking care of other people. So flip with me here. We've got to see this beautiful picture of what Jesus does. Y'all ready? All right. Am I hold, am I hold up? Let me hold up somebody. John 13. I want to make sure you get there because this is important. I don't want you to think the preacher's just telling you to serve because I got things for you to do. I do, but that's not the point. John 13, starting in verse 3. The word of the Lord says, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Can I just remind you before we tackle this who Jesus was and who he is today, the Son of God? 
the lamb slain before the foundations of the world to take away the sin of mankind, the one who told the mountains to form and told the valleys to form and said, hey, water, you can go only this far. And the one who looked at the giraffe and said, you need spots. The one who created all these things, the one who made the waves stop, the one who fed the 5,000, the one that would soon be pierced for our transgressions. And he says, guys, let me wash your feet. It even says that he understands that everything is under his power. He could have easily looked at one of the guys and said, get up and wash everybody's feet. But instead of commanding, he set an example. Can I I just throw this to you? And I want you to hear me. Parents, grandparents. An example that we need to set for the generation to come is service. Service. I'm sure that this never happens in your house, that you ask someone to do something, you hear, never happens in your home. I know that, right? Because your home is perfect. (laughs) But you know what? While we may hear that in our homes, I fear that the Lord, when he asks us to do stuff, often the response he hears is, do I have to? That feeling you get when you drive past someone stranded on the highway and the Lord is telling you in your spirit, they need help. And you say, yep, provide it for them, Lord, as you drive on by. That feeling you get when you know that people need help taking care of their yard or people need help here at the church. We've got some great servants here. I want to go ahead and say that. I'm not say, I'm not, this message did not come because we need servants. We have a lot of great servants. But if you've been saved, you were saved to serve, not saved to sit. These pews are not to be sitting to your behind. The cushions are there just for momentary seating. We should be up serving and loving and doing and going and being the church and not just satisfied with salvation. See, Jesus served. See, we see that in Philippians. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 2. He says, Jesus emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. I just want you to go ahead and think about it now. Just go ahead and get it out of the way. Go ahead and get this, this thought in your mind that whatever God's asking you to do is too tough. Just think about it for a moment. Yep. This is, God's asking you to do something hard, right? What is God asking you to do? I don't know what he's asking you to do, but it's hard, right? It's difficult. Is it to the point of dying on the cross? Is it? No matter how hard it is, I I don't see anybody being put to death on the cross. Maybe God's calling you, teenager or child at school, to go see somebody else and tell them about Jesus. Maybe that's your act of service. 
One of the things that I have done that I feel just compelled to, I'm not bragging on myself, I fail at other times. One of the things that God has always compelled me to do is if I'm sitting with a group of people and they're eating, when they're done eating, I feel like my job is to get their plate and either throw it in the garbage if it's a paper plate or throw it in the sink if it's a real plate. I've always had that problem. It's gotten me in trouble at times. Done it at church meals before, and and, uh, one of our dear sweet ladies was like, I'm not done yet. I get it. But that's what God has instilled in me. That's the desire God's given me. And I tell you, again, I'm not patting myself on the back. My arm don't even reach that far back. I'm not saying that I'm great. I'm saying he's great. He set an example, and I better follow it. If I can't follow the example, then how can I ask you to follow the example? See, Jesus served to the point of death. And then he even tells us in Matthew 20, he says, Look, whoever's great among you has to be the servant. So I want to go ahead and get this out there. I tell you, parents, that you have to set an example. Let's just go ahead and start at the top. Who's the head of the family? Dad. 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 Set the example of service. Since you've got to be great. If you want to be first, you've got to be last. But that's not our mentality. Our mentality is I've got to win. That's not the Christian mentality. See, we're called to serve one another. See, yeah, we've been set free. Oh, praise the Lord, we're set free. We're no longer slaves to sin. But you know what we are? We're now slaves to each other. We're slaves to Christ. We're to be bond servants for the Lord. When, when James says this, he says, I am a servant. That literal word, that Greek word is, is doulos, which means slave. See, if you're a, sin, or a slave to the Lord... When the Lord says, do something, guess what? You do it. To not do what the Lord tells you to do is what? Sin. To not do what you know you should do. Sin. Reality is this, is that we have to follow the Lord in service. We've got to be willing and obedient. We've got to show the world that we're called to do this because we're followers of Jesus. The second thing I want you to see this is that being a servant demonstrates growth. Being a servant demonstrates growth. Being a servant requires a sense of maturity. I already shared with you a little bit earlier about how children or babies are just so selfish. What's some of the famous words for children? Mine. Right? They start playing with toys. Mine. Again, I, I know that sometimes I use these examples and, and, and people are like, quit talking about your kids. But look, my kids are perfect examples to me because I see things now that I didn't see when I was a kid. Because I was one. But I see that, with again, with our sweet little precious blue-eyed Ellie. She's precious. But you take her toy? She's coming at you. She's been going to watch Caleb at Taekwondo class. And the other day, I told her, I took something from her, and she reared back to hit me. I said, you better not hit me. I turned around, she went, hmm. The reality is this, is that maturity shows that we're willing to move past baby form, 
right? Paul says you can only take the milk for so long, then you got to start chewing on the meat. you got to move past being fed and start feeding yourself and other people. I had a teenager in one of my ministries many, many years ago that came to me. She had just graduated high school, and she looked at me, and she said, Wait, I'm, I'm just not being fed anymore. I looked at her, and I, I called her by name, and I'm going to call her by name now just in case she's watching. don't want to embarrass her. I said, How long have you been a believer? She said, Well, since I was nine. I said, So you've been a believer for nine years? She said, Yes. So what would you say if, if you went out to eat at a restaurant and a nine-year-old was sitting there and being spoon-fed by their parents? Perfectly healthy child, no, no disabilities, nothing wrong, being spoon-fed by their child, what would you, uh, by their parent, what would you say? They're spoiled. Spoiled rotten. So what do you think they should be doing? Feeding themselves. Some of you are getting it. Some of you are like, oh, mm. Some of you might hurt a little bit. If you've been a believer for an extended period of time and people are still serving you and you're not serving them, can I tell you, you're spiritually stunted. Your spiritual growth is not where it needs to be. We've got to demonstrate growth in Christ. See, in 1 Peter 4, we read this, Each one has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. The gifts you've been given are not to serve you, but to serve others. See, signs of maturity, signs of growth. Here's what's so beautiful about James. Oh, can I, can I tell you, James is a beautiful story. Not just a book, but James himself is a beautiful story. In fact, in John chapter 7, it, we read this, that James says of Jesus, he's crazy. It tells us that even his brothers didn't believe. The literal wording in Mark chapter 3 is this, he's out of his mind. This is James who wrote this book. His words about the one that he now calls Lord and Savior. He says he's nuts. They literally sent him out of town because they wanted him to leave because he was embarrassing them. And he goes from, from that point of saying that Jesus is crazy to now saying in James chapter 1, verse 1, not even saying, hey, I'm Jesus' brother. He goes to the point of saying, I'm his servant. I'm a servant. Can I tell you, he didn't get there overnight. You don't get baptized the next day say, sign me up to be an elder. Right, elders? <laughs> you, don't, you don't come to faith in the next day say, I'm teaching Bible study next week. Trust me, Caleb's not preaching anytime soon. He's not, he's not even awake right now. <laughs> The reality is this, is growth happens only when Jesus radically does something to you. Can you confess and admit that there are times in your spiritual walk where you have stayed a baby? Are there still issues now that you're a baby over? 
Just look, we're not all well-rounded, perfect, Billy Graham following Jesus people. We all make mistakes. But service, being a servant. Oh, when I hear people gripe, I'm just going to go ahead and get this out there. Most of you have not had this chance with me yet. I've only had one or two people that have come to me and said, hey, I don't like this. And that's fine. Not everybody's going to like what I do. That's okay. I still love you. Jesus loves you, and we're going to be okay. But nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten, if somebody comes to me and complains, can I tell you what they're not doing? Serving. There's always that one, and I'm thankful for that one. But nine out of ten times, when somebody comes and has a gripe about what's going on in the church, I can look at them and ask them, where are you serving in church? And more than likely, they'll say, well, I, I'm not right now. And I understand right now, if I was to ask you that, COVID, it covers all the ground. But if I was looking at you and say, where are you serving in the church? And you were to say, well, I'm just, I don't have time, or, or I just can't, or I'm not comfortable, or I'm not fit, or I'm not equipped. Can I just remind you what I just read about from First Peter? You have received a gift. Use it. You ever given somebody a gift and then them re-gift it to somebody else? Anybody? Have you ever done that? Thank you, thank you, thank you. There's room at the altar for you. Here's the reality, though. Is that's what we do. If God gives us a gift, we are to give it back to everybody else. Serve God by serving his people. I just want to wrap it up with this third one here. And I've hit this all the way through, so if you hadn't got this one figured out by now, then you missed it. Serving requires change. Serving requires change. The first part of that is that service requires change. It requires obedience. It requires obedience. I told you earlier that the word used there is doulos. Which means slave, I've been purchased, I've been bought, I, I have no right to myself. In fact, Paul writes, you've been bought with a price, and that price was the shed blood of Jesus. So your price was pretty high, and it's been paid. And you know what a slave does not say to his master? No. Maybe you've had that moment in your life where you said that to one of your parents, you just looked them in the face and said no. If you did, I hope you picked your teeth up off the floor. You don't say no to the master. They do what they're told. A slave has no rights of their own. They only follow the will of the master. So can I tell you today, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus and you're not serving somebody, whether it's in your family, whether it's your church, whether it's just kindness of a friend or a neighbor that you're showing them service, the love of Jesus, then you are not doing the job God called you to do. And if that makes you curl your toes in a little bit, then I suggest you put on some work boots and get to work. It requires obedience. And see, here's the thing. When it comes to obedience, 
of the call of this book, you know what you can't do? You can't pick and choose what parts you want to obey. <laughs> we have a real bad habit of that, don't we? Oh, we love this part. We don't like that part. Oh, I love the part that, t- that tells me that, uh, that I shouldn't lie, but I don't like the part that says I can't steal. Oh, I love the part that says that, that I shouldn't, uh, that I've, my, my wife is, is the beneath the head and I'm the head and all that. So we love that part, right, husbands? But we don't like the other parts to say to love them like Christ loved the church. Reality is obedience is not halfway. If you told your dog to go outside to use the restroom and they went outside to use the restroom half the time, would you go, that's an obedient dog? No. We can't do 50% obedience. If you take, make a 50 on a test, that's a what? A fail. We cannot settle for half obedience. Then here's the other part that service requires. Humility. Humility. Can I just go ahead and confess this is not an easy one. Humility is probably the more difficult. Because humility is to tell somebody else they're better than you. I remember, and I hope you do, just about six weeks ago, me sitting on this stage and Pastor Brian coming and washing my feet. I knew that I was going to be preaching about James then, and I thought, oh, you sly dog. You set an example of service before I could even do anything. You set that example. Because what he did is he put himself down in the place of a servant, just like Jesus did back in John 13. Jesus, the one who today sits on the throne, got up and got on his knees. I'm not sure if you've ever washed feet before. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But I remember years ago washing the feet of my student ministry at camp. And I remember doing, we had about 40 people there, and I remember crawling around and washing feet, getting all the way done. And going to sit in the corner just to pray and and honestly kind of weep a little bit. And then all of a sudden someone came over and started washing my feet. And I just remember the sense of humility that came over me at that moment that said, I am not worthy for them to wash my feet. See, a servant says, you're not worthy to not have your feet washed. A servant says, you're worthy of all things. I will give you all I have. See, when it comes to serving the Lord, we give all we have because He gave all He was. Church, this is message today that God has given me is about us recognizing our identity in Jesus. Yes, you are co-heirs with Jesus. Praise the Lord for that. You are saints saved from sin. Oh, we are going to have a great crowd of uh, heroes standing around as we run our race, celebrating us. But can I tell you, 
All those things pale in comparison to the call of a believer to serve. I said it earlier, and I want to say this one more time. You were saved to serve. That's your place. To serve who? King Jesus. And can I tell you, sometimes serving King Jesus means changing a diaper in the nursery. Can I tell you that sometimes serving King Jesus means mopping up a coffee spill. Can I tell you that sometimes serving King Jesus means taking the garbage out. Can I tell you sometimes being a servant of King Jesus just is a person who opens the door and smiles when somebody comes in. You are saved to serve. Don't sit it out. Don't sit it out. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father God, we come to the portion of our service today where we've got to do some business with you. Lord, we've got to recognize that while salvation is free, and we can't earn it, can't lose it. But God, being a true follower of you will change our hearts to where we want to serve. For we want to take the focus off of ourselves. To where we want to get on our knees and get a little dirty serve your king father a, a believer who doesn't follow through is not a real believer so Lord I want you to challenge our hearts today to, to move past infant faith and become mature followers of Jesus Maturity is not about an age. It's an attitude. An attitude of obedience to you. An attitude of humility saying that if Jesus was willing to do this, I'm willing to do it. Because God, you're the master teacher. And we want to be good students. And Father, I pray today for the one that has that conflict in their heart. They're saying... How do I serve? What do I do? God, I pray that today you would lay that before them. God, you'd reveal to them places and ways and, and people that they need to be serving. Because God, I thank you for the servants we do have. God, that every day of the week, Lord, there are people here in this building doing great things to, to further your kingdom. God, whether it's teaching classes or painting walls or, or God whether it's ripping out wallpaper or, or whatever they're doing God they're here to serve your kingdom and Father I pray that you would remind us that it's not just one person's job to do that 
It's the body. Today, Lord, would you move us? Move us as a group to serve. Father, I also know today there may be some people in here that don't know you. They've never experienced that radical life change that James did when he came to, to see the Savior. Father, we read in 2 Corinthians that Jesus revealed himself to his brothers. And today, Father, I pray that the Savior would reveal himself to someone and that they would trust in his saving grace. Father, we love you. We praise your holy name. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Would you stand for a